Arbomatix, this is Collateral Cinema. What makes you think you can bullshit your way into my head? Like every other pencil in that piece of shit. Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, marijuana-related, smoke it if you've got it. Welcome all. Welcome, Robert. How are you doing, Robert? Oh, I'm fine. I'm great, Bo. I'm just glad to be back on the show. You know? <laughs> oh, de- definitely, definitely. And welcome, Ash. You know who I am. Oh, yes. You all know who he Toby is. Toby Maguire. neighborhood Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Toby Maguire. Oh, yes. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> but we are not doing uh, Toby Maguire's Spider-Man, or so should I say Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. We Andrew are Garfield. doing <laughs> Andrew Garfield, I guess so. Mark Webb's Spider-Man. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Already we're going off the rails. Jesus Christ. Well, on this episode, we are going back to the art house, as we've said on Twitter before. We are focusing on the 1997 surreal art house drama documentary thingamajig, I guess, Harmony Karine's Gummo. Now, guys, both of y'all just saw this movie for the first time, man. Go, tell me what y'all think. Like, what, what did you experience with this? I had no idea what I was coming into at all when I first started this movie. And when I came out of it, I still no ha- had no idea what I had gotten into. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's kind of uh, comparable to my first experience with this movie. I, I actually first watched this movie on my cell phone, like maybe about three or four years ago. And I, w- I will admit it was... <laughs> Oh. Yeah, it was maybe procured through less than legal means. But <laughs> I ended up buying the movie, so oh well. All's well that ends well. All's well that ends well, right? It reminds me of a old movie called Over the Edge, and oh, not the cartoon one. Over the Edge? How, how so, man? Just like, you know, this re- teenage rebellious, you know, just yeah, really I mean, from like the 1970s era, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, this is a, goes a little bit beyond just straight rebellion. This right yeah. here is just a portrait of uh, white America before meth hit. You know, exactly. I mean, and it, it's it is one of those things that's kind of a cultural paradigm, much like uh, in the urban neighborhoods, crack hit. 
Like there was a period before crack hit that, you know, I mean, yeah. the culture was just different. But I mean, and it's readily apparent here with Zinnia, Ohio. Or, you buy speed or, over the counter in the 80s or shit. Something <laughs> like that, I, I guess. I mean, I'm not really sure. I'm pretty sure you could. Yeah, maybe. But this movie to me, I mean, it's a slice of life that really cuts deep and is instantly relatable. You know what I mean, guys? I mean, just just based on where we're living just at. Just look at where we yeah. live at. Exactly. It, it reminded me a lot of our hometown, and not even a caricature of this town. It it, it was real life, like, this, this shit happens. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. I mean, if, if you've grew up in a small town, if you've had a group of friends uh, that you uh, chilled with, I mean, you have seen people like this. You probably know people like this. You know, Lord knows I've known a lot of people like this in this movie. Yeah. Of, of all In all ways, in all stripes. I mean, Harmony Karine himself, I mean, he grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. And he came up in the uh, skating scene of that era in the early to mid-90s, and he... Uh, Got hooked up with a photographer by the name of Larry Clark, who was making a film called Kids, and he wanted uh, Harmony Korine to do a screenplay treatment for his movie, and that turned out to be a movie that was almost documentary-like when you really get down to it. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know if either of you guys have ever seen it. No, like The first, first time I ever saw it was actually when I was going to Gary Job Corps. It was in uh, one of our uh, academic math classes. Like, it, it was this uh, real Southern gentleman. He had like a, a Colonel Sanders tie and everything, and a cowboy hat. <laughs> like, but he, he was actually really cool. He would just sit us down, and we would watch movies. You know, like that. That was the first time I ever saw Blood in Blood Out. But <laughs> I also saw Kids the first time, and man. There was just some things in that movie that I hadn't seen up to that point. I mean, there were things at Job Corps that I hadn't seen up to that point. And, but it still felt very real because, I mean, even in the end, even though I wasn't really doing a whole lot of marijuana or anything back in the day when I was growing up, I mean, I still knew all the kids who did. And I knew all the kids like this who were just neighborhood rats and, you know, you know lake rats, as we call it. Because we, we, yeah, we, we live in a uh, small town in South Texas near a lake, and that's pretty much what they are. They're lake rats. Hey, I mean, we're all lake rats in our own way, yeah, right? I think I'm still young <laughs> well, because of the water. I didn't grow up here, but... Oh, that's right. You didn't grow up no. here. No. You just happened to move into a goose I happened town. to move in after yeah. post high school. <laughs> yeah, I'm from... Yeah, I'm a city boy, too. I mean, yeah. also the other side of the country, too. Yeah, yeah I pretty much uh, grew up in a small town pretty much my entire life, and I mean, and that's really why this movie cuts uh, so close to me, man. I mean... These are, like, scenarios I've been in. I mean, I've never, I've never necessarily, like, huffed glue or anything like that. No, or shot cats. Or shot cats or anything Can't like that. that I I have, mean, right? Yeah, I mean, th those are all very stylistic exaggerations right there. Although, there, there are assholes who will try to poison stray cats and stuff. Set them all far I've seen gasoline. people put, like, uh, antifreeze in cat food. Oh, those, those people are scumbags. Antifreeze will kill anybody. Straight, straight up, fuck those people. Yeah. I that. mean, and, and honestly, yeah, I mean, these characters are fucking low lives for doing it, but the point is, is that, you know, Harmony Karine, he specifically directed and wrote this movie, kind of uh, where there wasn't an obvious moral compass to 
it do any of these characters. I mean, mm-hmm. th- this is very much a post-moral kind of uh, America at uh, play. The only kind of protagonists that you can single out in this movie are guys that shoot cats. Yeah, seriously. I mean, and uh, on the flip side, you know, there is, of course, the three sisters. Yeah, and then you know? their sisters as and well. And we're going to go ahead and get into that uh, whole uh, character dynamic a little bit later. You know what else this reminds me of, of our town too in this in this film is all the cats oh man we have an over so ca- a pop cat overpopulation here too I got five oh, cats yeah. outside right now no kidding and in in the uh, universe of this movie it's supposed to be like a uh, it's supposed to be like a post-apocalyptic dystopic nightmare where like all the wealthy people kind of just up and left and just right. those are the elements that are left behind and I guess one of the things that happens in that situation is they're poaching cats pretty much so people can have food. I mean, in that type of post-apocalyptic scenario, I mean, you would kind of think that with uh, supplies running thin, they would start poaching off the local population of pets, right? Or ferals, right? I hadn't thought of that, actually. I mean, when you really think about that, I mean, it actually makes sense, right. kind of. I just thought these motherfuckers were crazy. Oh, they are. I mean, you, you <laughs> let, let's face it, you have to be kind of out of your fucking mind to uh, actually want to hunt cats for a living, you know, in any sense. And remember what they said that they sold it to the Chinese restaurant? That part actually made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> kind of kind of fucked up right there. Just meat. <laughs> I mean, they'll serve rats, right, too, maybe? Oh, <laughs> uh, man, I think that those are just some old stereotypes. I don't. It's like, if, you, yeah. if you've gone to any Chinese place, I mean, you know that it's pretty legit. Yeah, good. Food. I mean, there, yeah, yeah, there's some of them that are kind of grody, but there's a lot of great mom and pop Chinese places. So eat at your local Chinese place, ladies and ge- ladies and gentlemen. Grab the crawfish if you can, <laughs> <laughs> with lots of butter. Get, get something with tofu and veggies. Get some uh, China Sea. Uh, China Sea. China Sea is pretty good. Yeah, little, little little plug for China Sea in Bandera. Yeah, a little plug. Good good restaurant right there. Harmony Karine's approach to this movie was. More or less, I mean, he just wanted to kind of bring out the actual dreamy nature of American life in some way, man. I mean, it, this is kind of like a little bit of a dream, isn't it? Like yeah, maybe yeah, by this definitely. point, a bad, a bad dream. Especially mm-hmm. the way the camera for cinematography was shot, right? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, Switching everything. back to camcorder and just like. Yeah, it, that's, it was that's meant pretty cool. To be, it was yeah. meant to be kind of schizophrenic like that and kind of uh, just bring up how, you know, life in a small town can just be a total mindfuck in its own right. It, it's There's just all these things that are completely interspersed. But yeah. I heard that when it was done that way, the the vision that Karine had for it was that it would just sort of, when it came together, it would just flow yeah, on yeah, its own. Exactly. And in many ways, it's com- kind of like a, a collage, you know? I mean, uh-huh. there's, there's not really scenes that really follow from the other or the other. I mean, it, it's interspersed. It's like they'll have a little bit of a narrative, but for the most part, it's, it's a lot of non sequitur shit, honestly. Mm-hmm. There's no narrative flow whatsoever. No, I mean, it, it 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 goes literally from one place and ends in entirely a different place, you know? I mean, it no ends climax. with... No climax. It ends with that uh, girl uh, singing uh, Jesus Loves Me until mm-hmm. her parents say, go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Karine, he... Uh, he, he wanted to have non-actors in this movie. He felt that it was absolutely pertinent to do so because he just kind of feels like they kind of give something professional actors just don't. They give a piece of themselves, themselves. that... 
that a professional actor is just not going to have authentically. What do you What do you think, Robert? You're you're very yeah. much the actor of the group. Pretty much the self-taught actor. Yeah, I'd say it was done pretty well. This movie, although it is filmed in Nashville, it's uh, supposed to take place in Zinnia, Ohio. It's supposed to be a little more in the Midwest a little bit, which is kind of interesting because, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting how Nashville kind of uh, is interchangeable with that, you know? I mean, I would totally believe that that was Ohio. But I could also totally believe that it was Tennessee if you told me that. I mean, yeah. it, it's just the way that Karine really presented his location. Well, I think that sort of location, that sort of locale is available anywhere in the country. If you would have told me it was West Virginia, I would have thought that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you'd have told me it was Texas. <laughs> it's Texas too. <laughs> I mean, uh, short of the accents, but. Yeah, definitely. Just definitely. coming out of the woods type shit. Mm. Yeah, I mean, initially this uh, town is devastated by a tornado. Like, that that's really the uh, catalyst for, you know, just uh, the state of uh, Zinnia, Ohio in this movie. It's very catastrophic, and it's it's pretty much uh, told in detail by Solomon at the beginning of the movie over mm-hmm. in a voiceover. I mean, he, he's just talking about, you know, seeing just death and destruction and just misery in this one catastrophic event, and it's just like... Man, it's like this is these people are just traumatized all the way through and through. Yeah, and actually from from the very beginning narration, you could already see this nihilistic worldview just from the narrator's point of view, which for the for, for a good while I was trying to figure out which character it was, but it's definitely Solomon. <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, I mean Solomon is uh, very pure. He's very optimistic. Like I mean, he he kind of sees beauty in the world and the actor that plays him, I mean, Harmony Karine wanted a very specific look for that character. He wanted a boy that looked like no one else in this world. And honestly, I think that he really nailed it with, with this kid. I forget what his name is, though. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Ash, you should totally get this dude, kid's name. The, the name of the actor for Solomon? Yeah. But anyway, and that that's really why I kind of feel like Solomon is in many ways kind of the audience uh, go-between between the movie and its narr- and its lack of narrative, honestly. Jacob like, Reynolds. It's Jacob Reynolds. Jacob Reynolds. Yeah, I mean, and he, he has a very unique look to him. 
mm-hmm. like very unique, especially in this movie when he's so young and his hair's all tussled about. I saw his picture now, and you can still see that face. Oh yeah, yeah. He it very looks like he's changed. He's just a lot bigger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then he uh, he is complimented by the character Tumblr. Which, mm-hmm. it, interestingly enough, the name Tumblr, that was like a, a low-level comedian in vaudeville acts that would come out and warm up the crowd, but also do a lot of the quote-unquote bitch work of uh, running a vaudeville show. Like, and I mean, part of that was warming up the crowd with a few jokes here and there. But, I mean, Tumblr's character is very sociopathic, nihilistic, and it's... It's very much truth in television because Nick Sutton, the uh, actor who uh, played Tumblr, he was uh, discovered by Corrine on an episode of Sally Jesse Raphael back in the day. Like, Ash, I don't know if you're old enough to remember Sally Sally Jesse Raphael. No, no that that was during the whole uh, that was during the whole talk show boom in the uh, late '80s and early '90s. Like that was where you had your Donahue's, your Ricky Lake, you know, Maury started around the time, Jerry Springer, of course. Springer, veteran, dude. Yeah. But I mean, that was a uh, show that was pretty typical. It had a topic that was pretty typical at that time. It was about the teenagers who were huffing gas. And uh, what was noticeable is that Nick Sutton was asked where he he saw himself in five years. And he was like, probably dead. Like very matter of fact. But Harmony Crime just looked at him and was like, that's my Tumblr. That's who, yeah. that's who I want to represent this character. So you think that a little bit of that performance came from Tumblr's own life? I think in many ways, Tumblr is meant to be the uh, just the nihilism of the narrative itself incarnate. Uh-huh. And like in the Solomon, he's kind of the uh, representative of the audience. It's kind of like this weird kind of symbiosis, but also kind of a struggle uh-huh. in a way. Because, I mean, in some ways, I mean, it does kind of seem like Solomon... It's like, why is he going along with this kid? Why is he doing what what Tumblr tells him to, man? Uh, it's like, where, where did these kids even meet each other? Flying a little trailer port. <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn. Sorry. I mean, I was there too. Damn, man. Oh, wow. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a symbiosis that's just made in just pure hell, honestly. But, I mean, there, there's also a very, very peaceful uh, kind of uh, vibe between them at times, you know? Like, like, they never really cross each other, it doesn't seem. They, there's never a moment where they actually argue with each other. No, it's just no. respect. All Solomon the way. just kind of follows him around. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a brotherhood respect thing. Yeah, yeah. and then that moment when they're, they're huffing the glue. The glue. They yeah. really open up to each other. Like, uh, yeah. Tumblr opens up about his uh, brother, who happens to be transgender. And living in in the city, I guess, uh-huh. and it's and it it's just kind of accepted, yeah. oddly enough, despite yeah, yeah. the homophobia that's so rampant. Oh, yeah, there's lots of homophobia in this movie, but that's that's like this rare moment of empathy for Tumblr. Like he's just he actually empathizes with his brother. He's like, damn, it's like, and of course Solomon was just like, is he pretty? <laughs> like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> pretty enough to have a boyfriend. God. Yeah, but as, as as I mentioned before, the uh, tornado that hit this town, it pretty much drove all of the wealthier residents who had a choice uh, in the matter out of the uh, city, and it pretty much left people like Tumblr and Solomon, and it left people like the, uh, the mentally, many of the many disabled people that you see in this movie, both mentally and in some cases physically, and in just poor people all around, you know, I mean... Mm-hmm. This is this is just poverty incarnate, like rural par- poverty, mm-hmm. white know? trash. 
interesting. Yeah, but the thing is, is that the movie never makes that judgment about them. And in, in the in, in, in the universe, most all of their actions kind of make sense. It's America. I mean, yes. Yeah, there, there's. It's not like there's really any opportunity for anybody here. I mean, the, these these kids are fucking shooting cats for a living. BB guns. They don't know yeah. anything different. In, in, yeah, in, in, in a and this is in a world where they ha- kind of have to do that, where people are eating cats. You know, yeah. for sustenance. You know, and and the fucking uh, local restaurants and grocery stores are buying it. Making I mean, good money. Yeah, I mean, th- this is a this is a, a world that is just purely crap sack, and a world where there's just really nothing left. No shame. At all. No, there's nothing left in any sense. Nothing left financially. Nothing left as far as education is concerned. I mean, you know, these kids aren't going to school. Oh yeah. There, there's not yeah. even there's there's not even a school represented in this entire movie. That's not crazy. at all. Now that you mention it. Yeah, well, that's kind of interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. There, school school does not exist in this world. As far as, far as we know, the schools were fucking. Uh, they were completely uh, fucked over by the tornado. Yeah. For all we know. That or, or it's just not seen as a priority and all these kids are just skipping out all the time. Yeah, yeah but I mean, that's also kind of the way it is in, in real life in many ways, especially back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, education was, I mean, it's still a serious issue in this country, but back then, I mean, there was pretty much a lost generation in many ways when it comes to education. I can and, see that. And that was kind of indicative of that. Yeah. In fact, you can even see the people that are the generations that are suffering from the generation that didn't go to school. (laughs) Yeah. And these were very much kind of education. I mean, these were like older kids in many ways. Like, I mean, I came of age in the 90s and then by late into 97, I was about 16, 17 years old. Yeah. So, I mean, I would have actually been kind of close to the age of these characters. Yeah, I was still a kid. Yeah, it's probably like so. So in many ways, it's like I was kind of there in a way, you know. I mean, you you experienced this. Yeah, with with my, with my group of friends, you know, not not of course not in the same way that these kids. Obviously, we weren't out fucking killing cats and selling them for meat well, no, and shit. We your, compared our home down to this place, but yeah, I, I think this film that's a little more extreme. Yeah. But I know that there are some places that are probably like that. Oh, there's lots of places, like especially here in Texas. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of in-between counties that have some little hole-in-the-wall towns that, in some cases, time kind of forgot about. You know, it's, it's kind of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You yeah, know? you see these kids with the mullets and stuff. And it, I, I got that feeling, too, where I was like, it's like something, it was like kind of lost in time. It didn't develop with the rest of the world. No, it, ne- it never like really. Canada. Yeah, it, but I mean, the Midwest is kind of notorious for that. I mean, it could kind of be a little behind the times. You know, it's always been like that. It's kind of like it's not so different from developing countries or, yeah. or you, you know, so-called you, third world. You can also argue that the South is very much like that. In you know, a lot of ways. Definitely, a, decade, a decade behind. Yeah, there are definitely pockets in the South that are like that, you know. A decade behind in mentality, too. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't think we should even get into that right now. <laughs> oh, Lord. Neck nerves. 
It's not good to lift while you're growing. I can see your shoulder popping out. Look the way it raises and gets smaller, raises and gets smaller. It's gonna pop out of joint. That's not healthy. Look at it. It's gonna pop. Dad's old taps. He used to be good. He said he was blessed with the gift to tap. Took up tapping when he got his bald spot. He wanted to get transplants, but I thought that was a bit drastic. Told him if he wanted to, he should take up tap. He put up the mirror. He said if Marlena Dietrich could see him dance, she would fall in love. What do you want with Marlena Dietrich? She had a bottom rib surgically removed so she'd have more of an hourglass figure. Don't you know, stars are flawed? But, I mean, there's just an aura of depression surrounding the uh, universe of Xenia, Ohio. I mean, nobody really nobody really has a way to get out of this place and th there's even a uh, there, there's even in one of those little vignettes you know one guy who's talking about how he tried to kill himself but he failed mm -hmm. like that that's just how pathetic and sad things are you know like people are trying to kill themselves and they're not even <laughs> succeeding at succeeding. that they can't even succeed at killing themselves nobody can get out yeah nobody can get out it's like even in an existential sense, mm -hmm. which is kind of dreadful when you really, really get down to it. And it's kind of indicative of the way that uh, the mental malaise in America has become now. Mm. You know, it's very indicative of that. Yeah. What's what's really strange about this movie is um, the fact that it, it literally doesn't say anything. It was kind of like our last episode a little bit, Freddy Got Fingered, but this one, like, to the extreme, and that the the message isn't, outright said it nothing at all in this movie is outright declared it's just it's all between the lines it, it, it's just a very faithful representation of life for these people in, yeah. the, in this universe you know i mean it's not even that these people are struggling against it anymore they're they kind of just uh, they're kind of just fall in line and they're just doing their thing now and, and that's very much a mentality that's in, that's very pervasive when it comes to living in poverty. I mean, I, Lord knows I've known that, you know, mm -hmm. I, I haven't had a whole lot of money myself, so I, I can see why people would hoard all that kind of shit, man. I have a bunch of, <laughs> I mean, look at all the DVDs I have, man. <laughs> I have another two bags of DVD cases from previous collections <laughs> out in my fucking uh, storeroom. Like, I mean, my mom, like, up till today, like, she had a bunch of shit all over the house. Like, we cleaned up because my grandmother's living there now. But I totally get why people do that, you know? I mean, it's hard to let go of things when you don't have much at all. Right. It's very hard to do that. Right, Robert? Pack rat, hoarder. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah, you become... I mean, it's very easy for people to become hoarders, I it think. It really is, actually. Yeah. Lord knows is like you have a lot of stuff as well. I mean, there, oh, you have a lot of stuff that you don't want to let go of. A like, lot of DVDs, just like you. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I hoard my whole collection with and me. He, and even maybe a little, <laughs> a little video game console here or there, you know? Old school Sega Genesis. <laughs> Hell yeah. Super man. NES. Oh, yeah, Nintendo 64 all the way. There we go, Goldeneye. Yeah. My first console, this is going to make y'all feel old, my first console was the GameCube. Oh, oh that's your first console? Not that I'm not that old. Oh, I'm that old. 
GameCube. <laughs> you got it for Super Smash Brothers, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, I got it for Super Smash Brothers. Super Smash Brothers came, yeah. with came with my GameCube. Nice. No, I remember Super Smash Brothers on N64. That's still a classic game. Remember Star Fox coming yeah. with 64, Christmas Day. But we digress. I mean, we talked about the cat poaching already. I mean, that is just very strange and very necessary within the world of this uh, the world of Zinni Ohio and Solomon and Tumblr I mean they they pick up a lot of really really crazy habits from from living here wouldn't you say oh definitely like I mean just or even just uh, psychologically just uh, you know Tumblr sociopathy you know and I would dare say even Solomon's apathy to it all it's 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 kind of both a he has a positive view but he's also kind of apathetic about things yeah like he he never tries to stop Tumblr from what he's doing no not at all he he kind of just goes with it deranged dude really <laughs> yeah yeah I mean he I mean like I said they're very symbiotic in their relationship I mean they kind of need each other in a way I can see that. And I mean, that I can see how that is, man. I mean, growing up, I mean, you really have to kind of stick together when you find your homies, you know, yeah. you really have mm-hmm. to stick with them. I mean, it's, I mean, especially when it comes to this us and us versus them mentality that's typically pervasive, especially in small town uh, USA. Oh, right. You, you know? have like uh, kind of your factions. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You know, you kind of have the redneck faction. You have the goth. Back in the day, you had the goth yeah. faction. Yeah, you had some of the punks, skaters, you know, skaters, metalheads, play guitars. You know, I was a skater. And I mean, and the the interesting thing is, is that you don't really see a whole lot of those social divisions in this movie. No, um, that is one thing I noticed is that they're all kind of the same, and and they they do seem to be a bit interwoven. I think at some point everyone's connected yeah, to er, someone else. Everyone's connected to someone else, and and everyone's kind of cookie cutter in a way. Like yeah. for instance, take the uh, sisters. Take the three sisters with Chloe Sevigny yeah. and them, you know, like they like the two older sisters. They're literally just like copies of each other, you know, yeah. just yeah. blonde, no eyelashes, you know, kind of a skinny girl. Like maybe uh, the older girl is a little more full figured. But, you know, I mean, it doesn't look like they get a whole lot of calories from, you know, mm-hmm. food. Most most everybody in this movie, I mean, it just looks like they just drink a lot of alcohol and that's like their diet. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and cats. Eating cats. Sorry. Oh, yes. And cats. Yeah. Beer and cats. <laughs> Beer and cats? Beer and Combo. cat meat. We should try that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Lord, no. Oh, that's that's evil. Oh, you don't eat meat. Sorry. Nope. I do not eat meat. But yeah, no escape from any of this. Not not in death. Not financially. Not psychologically. The, the Zenio, Ohio is just a trap in this movie. Like trauma, Bill. Yeah, it's like Tromaville in a way, isn't it? Anything can happen. It's it's like a it's like a more depressed version of Tromaville, just without all the naked chicks or chicks and mutants running around and cretins and shit. and the humor. But I mean, there is a little bit of humor to this movie. Like, oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's undeniable. It's it's many ways I kind of treat it as a black comedy. Like I mean, the the scene where they're arm wrestling and then it turns into table wrestling and it turns to chair wrestling. Yeah. Like, that whole thing. You see all that out here, really. What little humor there is. There, there's something very humorous there, but I mean, it's there's also comedy. there's also something very real there, you know, because those were actually that was actually a party for somebody coming home from prison. I think it was the big hairy motherfucker with the beard. Oh, okay. He got pissed because he lost to the gay black dwarf. Yes. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, there is a gay black dwarf in this movie, and every small town needs to have a, a gay black dwarf. 
Like that, I'm going to proclaim that right now. We need a, a gay black dwarf here. That would just that would just be a real boon for this town. And my God, it would just be magical. <laughs> Christmas events, I guess. Oh, <laughs> no. come on now. We do. We do, We just got uh, homeboy in uh, Game of Thrones getting some good roles for little people, man. Oh, that guy's pretty good. Warwick Davis yeah. is a badass. Yeah. Warwick Davis was always great, man. He's, he's always Warwick a badass. Davis. Yeah. Fucking Harry Lep- Potter. Leprechaun. Leprechaun. But uh, he was an Ewok, right? You know, yeah. just a shout out to the late Bryant Crenshaw. Oh yeah, yeah, he he passed away recently. That's apparently he was in a car crash. Oh, oh man, oh, may may he rest in peace, dude. That's unfortunate. Little girl from Salt Lake City, two court legs and two rubber titties. Loves electricity, but she burns off gas. Got a V8 pussy and a Cadillac ass. This character kind of, uh, he just kind of shows up in the film, but he makes a, a big impact. He really does. He's because, I mean, he's he's he also is somebody who doesn't look like anyone else in that town. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's unique there. I mean, very much like, you know, Solomon in a way. And then that scene with uh, with Harmony Karine's character. Oh, the, man. The director himself, you know, yeah. makes a has a role in this film. And he tries to flirt, and and he, he seems very, very desperate. Oh, he's extremely desperate. He's just flirting to f- with the gay black dwarf. He, he, he's desperate just to feel anything by just this point. Human connection, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah human he, touch. He, you can tell he's he's, he's like at the end of his rope, and he's just like venting to this to this guy. But what's interesting is that some of the uh, frustrations that he has there, I mean, according to many people in the LGBT community, that was actually kind of accurate. Right, because he's got nobody... He's got nobody there because the whole town's extremely homophobic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- this is in late '90s America, right here. Mm-hmm. Like they were, like people were just kind of coming around to like gay rights has been around for a while by th- 
that back then, but uh, it was just starting to come around to being even remotely mainstream at that point. Well, and remember that and, this this town was kind of behind too. Oh yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's true. It's also very behind the times in many ways. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and that's why you know the homophobia. I mean. In many ways, it's kind of, I wouldn't say glossed over. I mean, it's just kind of blade bare, and mm-hmm. there's not even any real judgment to it, which, I mean, nowadays that wouldn't fly, of course. Yeah. But, I mean, this movie, it doesn't, like we said, it doesn't have a traditional narrative. It doesn't even have a traditional three-arc structure, you know, like in an Aristotelian sense or anything like that. Everything kind of uh, progresses in a stream of consciousness kind of, sort of, you know? Mm-hmm constantly flipping between characters points of view yeah and then even then there's just these these random clips sometimes thrown yeah some, of them, the some of them they could be really haunting some of them can be just kind of humorous if you really look at it the right way in and a way isn't the movie kind of creepy and unsettling the whole time oh very much yeah. so i mean it's just the aura that's established from the get-go from the moment that we're introduced to the tornado that completely fucks this town over yeah and like the graphic content um, what's funny is that I came into it always expecting to see something that I was really going to be haunted by. So it kind of added this creepy feel to it. And that's what's great. that This movie is kind of considered a one of the more disturbing movies out there, you know, along with like Eraserhead or Martyrs or, but, you know, movies like that. But, I mean, me personally, I don't find it that uh, disturbing. I mean, there's a lot of movies I don't really find disturbing yeah. that other people do. But, I mean, this one, it's just kind of meant to be taken as a whole and it's especially if you find it relatable it becomes even more important yeah but in a way too though for me it was a little disturbing just and and not even with just the graphic content but sometimes just with just with the issues that were laid bare yeah like that one girl's account oh man yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get into that here in a, in a we're little gonna discuss bit that, yeah. yeah yeah we're going to discuss that but i mean in many ways i mean it's very much this lack of structure that dictates the, what the characters do throughout this film you know mm-hmm. i mean and and i'm mainly going to talk about you know like uh tumblr and solomon and the uh, three sisters you know i mean because i think that those those characters are the closest we have to actual protagonists yeah in well, any sense one thing i did want to say too is that the lack of a structure of this film kind of actually makes it more realistic in a sense. Yeah. Because when you think about life, it's so hard sometimes to find uh, realism when you're watching a traditional story because yeah. life doesn't work that way. You don't have this three arc structure. You don't have this climax or anything. Life just keeps going randomly. People trudge along and you really feel that right after you finish this movie too. Sometimes exactly. as you just, yeah. you sit there and you're like wondering you see the awkwardness in your own life. And I think that's what's really cool is just this, this, it's just completely awkward, but it's, it's realistic. So it's more relatable than anything I think I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of like to think that the old, overall moral of the story is just life goes on. Yeah. Life goes on. Time goes on regardless of whether you're kind of tuned into it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, and th- this town is, this town is certainly slice of life. <laughs> yeah. And this town is definitely not <laughs> in tune with any of that. Not even in the slightest, but I mean, like we said before, Tumblr and uh, Solomon, they have kind of this weird yin and yang quality to them. Like mm-hmm. Tumblr is just pure sociopathic nihilism. Like, like you remember that scene where he's at that uh, dude's house after he uh, has sex with the prostitute girl. Like, he just goes off on this weird tangent and it's just like 
he sounds like a straight asshole, honestly. Just like uh-huh. venting all his problems and shit. Yeah, but he, yeah, he, yeah, he's straight venting. He, I mean, he's uh, he's saying all that shit because he just has someone who will listen to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, he he just lets it all out. And in, in I mean, remember where Nick Sutton came from? You know, it's like that's some real shit right there. Well, and they said twenty five percent of this film's dialogue was improvised or, or uh, the acting yeah. so or lack thereof so there's definitely got to be moments where when he speaks about things he, he's speaking about his own life oh definitely I, I mean i wouldn't say that there's any type of autobiographical element here other than that this is just what Karine grew up with yeah. you know but i mean he presents it in a way that's very honest real and, and this perfect uh he, he called it something like magical realism or something like that but i mean it's definitely presented in a way that you know it seems like it could be real but it's always on the edge of dreamlike what's funny is that you wonder though you know if these characters are if these actors are even playing these characters or if these actors are just kind of no, in many ways, I mean, especially with Tumblr, I mean, Nick Sutton, that is his character. Yeah. That is him. Hold on. Cassidy. Hey. What's up, man? How you doing? Good, thank you. Yeah, good. You guys ride your bikes over here? Yeah. You bring me, you brought my money? Yeah. Good. Right here. Come on, let's go in the house. Come on. Oh, man. I got to tell you, she had a migraine headache earlier today, and she almost wanted to call the whole thing off, okay? okay. But I gave her I gave her some aspirin. Cool. Hey, thanks a lot. Make sure. Gonna go fuck her now. Wait, you want to fuck her? Yeah. Well, you gonna fuck her too? Yeah. All right, you gotta hold on. Okay. Hey, Cassie. Hey, put on that bathrobe thingy. Hey, put, put that on. All right. She's ready. You ready? Yeah. Okay, you gotta keep the light on. Okay. You all right? And that's the thing that Karine said that he loves about it is that they just they give themselves a piece of themselves in the film. Yeah. And, and you definitely see that come out, you know, like, I mean, even with like, uh, like going back to the uh, girl without the eyebrows. I mean, she's I mean, that that's that's just her, man. That's that's just who she is. I mean, mm-hmm. In many ways, I kind of think that she's the most stable person in that entire town in many ways. <laughs> well, you can tell she doesn't have any insecurities. She's no. just herself. Yeah, she's herself all the way through. And, and that's an, another person who was a friend of Harmony Karine. I mean, mm. he, he would go and play Donkey Kong with her. Oh, okay. so, yeah. So he had to he had to have her in this movie. And the eldest of the sisters was his girlfriend at the time. Yeah, Chloe Sevigny. Yeah. It's like, man, she, she was, and she very, was in kids too, right? Yeah. She was in kids. She was the short haired girl who, unfortunately, I'm not going to spoil it for y'all. Y'all haven't seen it, oh, but I mean, yeah, things happen to her that are not that great. <laughs> that movie, <laughs> needless to say, there are the things happen in that movie that are not that great for everybody, but it, it does kind of, it's kind of similar to uh, Gummo in that 
you know, once again, life just goes on. What's funny? It's just slice of life. Thinking about him putting his own girlfriend on camera through that. That's kind of like when you when when, he, when you're in an argument, just like replay that footage. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> just kidding. You, you would think so. Well, in many ways, I mean, there's a little bit of a divergence between uh, the characters Sol- Solomon and Tumblr and uh, the three sisters I mean th- th- they both have their own uh, story in this uh, mm-hmm. in this movie they have their own uh, interconnecting stories and I think it kind of all yeah it does comes full circle at the end and you see yeah you, you see that I mean you see the cat that has been killed that that's really where they kind of the the one leak that they have together is like you see very briefly that uh, Tumblr is about to shoot a cat, but Solomon stops and says, no, nah, that's that a house, house cat. cat. House and then it turns out that that house cat belongs to the three sisters. Which so, is where you're introduced to them. Yeah, and th- that, that's the first uh, moment where you actually see these characters kind of diverge for a, for a second. Yeah. You know, they, they kind of uh, touch each other's lives a little bit, but I mean, I'm sure they know each other. They probably do know each other, but they never actually meet up. Poor foot foot. Poor foot foot. Oh, poor foot foot. Like three different stories going on. Like, yeah, well, man, there's like hundreds of different stories going on like here. But you should see Brooklyn's Finest. That like yeah, that's like a that. that's a good movie as well. But I mean, there is in many ways kind of a commonality between you know the sisters and Solomon and Tumblr. I mean, in many ways they're just kind of aimlessly going through their lives the only way they know how. I mean, the, the sisters it just seems like they have maybe a better foundation of support than uh, Solomon and Tumblr do. Yeah, they definitely. I mean, I mean Sol- Solomon has his mom who seems to be pretty maybe a little too uh, close to him. Maybe. Well, kind of. She's. I think she's trying really hard to make a connection. Yeah. But you can tell that there's just kind of this rift. Solomon doesn't seem to respond to her. She well, jumps yeah. around with the gun. Jesus Christ! Yeah, puts puts a goddamn gun up <sighs> to his, his like as he's lifting weights. He doesn't even give a fuck. Well, I don't think she was serious about killing him. No, she serious. wasn't serious. It, it wasn't anything serious, but even serious. still, holy fuck, <laughs> yeah. she held a gun to his head. I thought it was real for one second. I mean... I think she was just trying to get some kind of a reaction out of him. Yeah, yeah, any kind of reaction. I mean, he, she even gets even more ridiculous with it and starts tap dancing. Tap, tap dancing. Which apparently is something that uh, Harmony Crying is really into. Because there, there is a little bit of a, of a vaudeville. dancing. There is a lot of references to vaudeville in this movie, and that's part of it. Oh, yeah, curb dancing. Uh, <coughs> ladies and gentlemen, go see uh, Harmony Crying's two-minute uh, short curb dancing. It's <laughs> incredible. It, it's a work of art. Like nothing seen before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's incredible, man. It is incredible. And that, that kind of, I, I kind of, it was interesting seeing that video actually because that one actually is presented humorously. Yeah. And so that really kind of brings out in this film though, which apparently was his personal vision, probably his pet project for since long, since he got into filmmaking, I, I would yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that it, uh, this complete lack of comedy, well, it, at least. Outward, outwardly. Yeah. I, I would say that there's a lot of funny elements to this movie. There's a lot though. of funny elements, but yeah. it's, it's all black comedy. <laughs> uh, yeah, very black and comedy. It's presented it's, in a serious way, so kind of a dry humor. Yeah. The characters of the sisters and uh, Tumblr and Solomon, I mean, the sisters deal with things that typically women deal with a lot, yeah. more or less. Like, they're, they're actually accosted by a uh, pervert. Yeah, you know? he tries to touch them. And I could tell... 
I could tell what he was up to the second he got him in the car. Oh, of course, yeah. man. Like he, he, like he was in that bowling alley. Like there were the those second dudes. he pulled up to them at the bowling alley, I knew. Yeah, it was like, oh no, this this dude is not kosher at all. To their credit, they do uh, kind of kick his ass a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> even even the little girl, the little sister, she just straights up just starts beating him on the back and on his head. Uh huh. <laughs> and then he keeps spouting it out. You know, that's nothing new for trash like you. Yeah. Oh, it, it's yeah, like, it's oh man, well fuck you too, dude. Yeah, that's pretty fucked. That's like seriously fucked up. There are so many other different characters that come in and out of this movie. Like for instance, uh, earlier we did uh, talked about the uh, gay black dwarf, mm-hmm. you know Brian Crenshaw, may he rest in peace. And I mean the impact that he left on the movie. You know, I mean he is one of the one of the most uh, striking uh, people in that movie, other than Solomon. And he actually seemed like he was a really cool guy. Honestly. Yeah, I kind of wanted to get to know this guy. Yeah, he, I, I would totally smoke a blunt with Brian Crenshaw <laughs> if he was alive. I would totally smoke a blunt with him. May he rest in peace. Like, seriously, we may have to smoke one for him. <laughs> like, seriously, we may have to smoke one for him here in a little while. You know, but there's also these two brothers that come up who are, they're total skinheads. And apparently, oh, yeah. apparently they were Jehovah's Witnesses. And uh, Solomon says that uh, they killed their parents and got away with it. Yeah, I I thought that was interesting. I wasn't sure if that was just rumor or these characters were had definitely done. And then you get to see them, and I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys that were punching each other for a good minute? Yeah, yeah. They just start straight fighting each other. Like, like, like honestly, shit, huh? for real, start fighting each other. I mean, it's not. it's more like a brotherly thing, man. But, I mean... But by the end of it, one of those dudes' mouth is just bloodied up. Yeah, yeah. It's like that, that <laughs> I mean, real, like real fighting, dude. Yeah, I've I've known some uh, brothers that would fight like that, both like just for fun and like. I spar with earnest. my brother. Yeah, Dakota and I will uh, will spar every now and then, but we don't get we don't get into it like that. <laughs> oh, of course not. No, you don't want to. But e- even then, they were just getting into it. They were still having fun. That's yeah. what was crazy yeah. about it. Like bloody knuckles, <laughs> and they're they're straight up like it shows them straight lifting and everything. It's Ten like, seconds in the bathroom. Yeah, in high school. <laughs> oh yeah, in high school. Holy shit. Or a, no, that was junior high, sir. <laughs> Damn, y'all y'all went y'all went down and dirty. Ten seconds. I mean, I'm homeschooled, man. I don't know anything about that shit. I never I never got into trouble. I was a straight edge kid. Straight edge kid. Oh, well. I, moved, I moved a lot, dude. Really. <laughs> These two kids I know, these two brothers, they murdered their parents. They both claimed to be raised as Jehovah Witnesses. They came into school in really nice shorts and polished tennis sneakers. And their shirts were always collared with buttons and their hair was always slicked back were always brushed and their shirts and pants were always ironed and their shoes never were scuffed up or anything like that. They seemed to have a wonderful life. I don't know what went wrong. Why don't you give me them shoes? Because they're new and I don't give you new shoes. You handyman? Yeah, fuck that, man. This shit's, I'm keeping this shit right here. Sorry. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this. <laughs> Fuck them all. 
off me, man. Ooh. <laughs> ah, told you not to hit me in the face. What's up? Stop that. <laughs> Sick old fucker. Hit right <laughs> What's up? I'ma fuck ya. Alright, what's up? <laughs> ah. Shit, man. Give me them shoes. <laughs> so what's for dinner, man? You cooking tonight? There's a um, dude in this movie. Uh, Solomon and Tumblr go to his house real quick whenever they get paid for uh, killing that cat. And uh, he pimps out his sister, who, as it turns out, is uh, mentally impaired. Which is just a kind of an interesting little level of fucked up, you know. It's it, it shows like this exploitation that is mm-hmm. in, undeniably would be happening in this town in that situation. Like but she seems to have no problem with it. But even so, it's like she still may not be legally able legally to consent, con- to consent to some, exactly. stuff like that. You know, I mean that that's still kind of rape. Yeah, you know? no, it was definitely an exploitation. It, it's one of the more disturbing scenes that's just kind of laid bare. Yeah, it's it's just kind of presented as it is. I mean, there's no once again no real moral judgment to mm-hmm. it. It's just this dude is doing what he's doing. I mean, in many ways, it's probably the only way that he people like him could probably make money. But also, he's a total scumbag about it. Of course, yeah. while while Tumblr's in there, he goes up and tries to look above the door and everything and, and peek in it. on them. Yeah. Like, oh god. What the fuck, dude? Getting off on it. Well, <laughs> you know, I think we all know some people here that would peek in on their sister like a yeah (laughs) god damn it man yeah this dude i mean he's a total fucking scumbag but i mean he's just so ancillary you know i mean he Mm -hmm. just you see him in this scene and then you just never see him again and that's the same with a lot of these uh, characters, you know. Although you do see the the girl without the eyebrows, you know, you see her of quite a few times. She she ends the movie. And uh, there's also a rival poacher in this movie. Who is this? Jared. Jared, Jared uh, Wiggly, I think his name is. That that's his name in universe. In universe. And it turns out that he is kind of uh, he may actually be transgender. It's like so. I mean. And there is a little bit of a transphobic element to it, but also, mm-hmm. but also, once again, it's not really judgmental about it either. Right. You know, like the transphobia comes from the characters, not so much from the movie or the narrative itself. Exactly. But I mean, it shows him briefly, you know, it, it, like in uh, wearing some women's clothes and putting on makeup and everything. And it's like, well, all right then, if that's what you are, that's what you are. Ultimately, mm-hmm. like, Jeez. And there, there's no real judgment to, nope. to that. But then again, there's no real judgment put to a dude pimping out his mentally disabled sister and people killing cats for meat. So make of that what you will, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, we went over the old pervert. Yeah. That that whole thing. There's also very briefly this uh, albino woman. Yes, the albino woman. She's a very very sassy character, honestly. Like, she's, like, very active. She's... uh, 
you know, she's even kind of flirtatious with the cameraman mm-hmm. a little bit. But then she she also mentions that she was born without toes. Without toes. It's like, holy fuck, man. Albino and born without toes. It's like, what the fuck happened in this town? <laughs> Jesus. It's like... I've seen somebody like that before. I mean, yeah, al- albini- albinism is, uh, you know, it's, it's a rare condition, but, I mean, there's people who are afflicted with it, and she seems to be living a pretty normal life, mm-hmm. you know? given her circumstance. I mean, and once again, that's another person that just has this very striking look, you know, that you're just not going to see anywhere else. Like powder? Yeah, but I mean, powder was a little, what's the word, contrived. His, I mean, that's that was makeup. This, this is a true albino, albino woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You ever seen one of those uh, people? Sorry. An yeah. albino in real life? wear uh, shades over them and they can't yeah. come out because of the sun yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, that's... You know? No, that's that's no joke. I that's, mean, yeah, I've, kind, I've seen it sucks. Before. I mean, it really sucks when you think about it. But feel bad for the kid too. But you know, this. I mean, uh, this lady, she's just living her life, doing mm. her thing. She's just doing the damn thing, man. So it's like respect. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but then there's also another kind of audience stand-in other than Solomon is Bunny Boy. Bunny Boy. Which, in, in retrospect, now that we have Bob's Burgers, is pretty hilarious. <laughs> you know, because Luis Belcher, I'd like, I've always wanted to go to a uh, panel with the creators of that show and just with Lauren Bouchard and just ask him, it's like, hey, is that inspired by Gummo? Because that yeah. looks exactly like the Pink Bunny Years from Gummo. And Bunny Boy shows up right after the opening narration, so he sort of opens the film. In many school. ways, he's kind of the... Uh, audience standing but he's also the spirit of the uh, mm-hmm. the overall like spirit of the town itself in a way that's kind of yeah. how I approach him Darnie Darko uses the rabbit too yeah I mean and yeah the, the rabbit imagery is kind of interesting you know when, when once again that's another like animal imagery mm-hmm. that's used here you know and it's a smaller animal that can be killed easily and there's a scene where he uh, comes across these two kids like these kids couldn't be any more than like what like nine or ten years old mm-hmm. at the time. And they're, they're dressed up in cowboys, you know, a very traditionally masculine kind of uh, iconography there. And they just, they pretend to, with their cap guns, to shoot Bunny Boy, and he acts like he's dead. And these kids are just foul-mouthed, man. Mm-hmm. They, they I say, mean, fuck rabbits. <laughs> oh, man, like all kinds of real homophobic language, like all kinds of uh, like very rough language coming from these young kids. Well, say rabbits are queers. Oh, man. It's like, Jesus Christ, all kinds of oh, horrible man, shit. Oh, that mouth, God. God damn, it's like, yeah. it's like you, you want your mouth washed out with soap, little kid? <laughs> <laughs> I'll use them Dawn. <laughs> Not even a bar of soap. Straight up. Just right, right on a rag and blah, blah, blah. That, that's what my mom would have done. Man, I would have been slapped. Oh, hell no, yeah, man. Well, but, you, but, but I mean, like I, I, father. I, I like to think that that was kind of a commentary on just masculinity in general. I mean, but it's mm. funny because all that language is coming from these little kids that are dressed in what's typically a very masculine, macho kind of uh, caricature, you know, mm-hmm. the cowboy, the American cowboy. And I mean, they straight up kill this dude and they show him no mercy, you know, kill in quotes. But I mean, it's it's. It's a scene that was used in the the movie Belly, which is another very interesting movie by Hype Williams. You know, it stars uh, DMX and Nas. Honestly, it's kind of a mindfuck in its own right, and I actually recommend people uh, check it out. It's uh, called Belly. Belly. Yeah, Belly. It's a really, really cool movie.
what's the matter with them, they match us. We get more pussy than they do. disturbing elements in this movie that we kind of went over earlier but there's lots of racist language in this movie lots of homophobic language i mean and it's very much just out there i mean it's just put forth you know i mean mm-hmm. it, it, it's probably actually a first true honest uh, portrayal of that type of attitude in small town america when you really think about it yeah yeah that's very real to life yeah we all know this like from uh, experience well and then there's the one scene where, which apparently was actual real-life footage. It wasn't acted out. It was one of those scenes that was just kind of thrown in there that yeah. was apparently a real conversation. And, and there's these act... The characters are talking about... Yeah, they, they, they're, they're, they use the N-word a few times. Yeah, that they yeah. hate. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just presented uh, so... Uh, matter of factly and also they talk they're talking about like taking cats and like shoving gasoline down their throats mm-hmm. and everything it's yeah. like oh my god man i mean animal cruelty is a huge motif in this movie of course with, with all the cat poaching but i mean it's like that little element right there even just ups the ante a little bit yeah and, and also there's like that brief footage of a decaying cat you know with like ants oh, going in and out god. of it it's like i mean yeah that was very representative of just what these people have devolved into you know like they're eating cats and shit there's also you know the transphobic language but there's also so much blatant inhalant abuse in this movie like i mean these kids they have a very uh very long scene where they're just sitting there with bags just huffing glue actually huffing glue you think that they were actually doing it i think when i read up about it they Karine said that there was actual glue used. Oh man, I wouldn't. I would not doubt that, man. There's even another scene which uh, has an interesting anecdote to it. The 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 other scene where they're uh, huffing out of bags in that one nasty house. Mm -hmm. Uh, Apparently, uh, not only did they have to move a lot of shit out of that house to even get their cameras in, but the uh, crew would not even go into that uh, house without hazmat suits. I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is something that pissed off the director of photography for the movie, and it uh, pissed off Harmony Corrine. Like, they uh, directed that scene in Speedos. I heard about that, yeah. Yeah, and they did it in straight Speedos. And it's like, but, but I mean, it was in protest because they were like, this is, a, this is just how these people are, you know? It's like, yeah, of mm-hmm. course they're living in 
roach-infested, filthy water, filthy uh, water, and filthy so homes like that. Man, it's like they can't afford anything else. With bed bugs. With, With bed, bed bugs. bugs. Yeah, it's like I mean, the, this is probably the first uh, real uh, portrayal of how poverty really affects people. Mm-hmm. I think in many ways, especially in rural, in the more rural areas. I mean, it, it was pretty accurate in that uh, respect, like scarily accurate. I wouldn't doubt it. Oh man, yeah. But then there's also that one scene where that little girl is talking about how her dad just molested her. Like, oh man, that is so dark. I think that was probably the most disturbing part of the film. Oh, horrible. And and then there's like that one scene where like, I guess you see her dad and he's smiling in the camera and a bunch of noise just wells up and he just looks at, he's looking at the camera with a smile and it's just, it just undercuts just how fucked up the uh, story that the girl is they're, saying. They're know? using still imagery there too. I noticed they use that a lot in the film. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. Still imagery is used a lot. Like there's that one scene where uh, Solomon really explained what's what Tumblr is all about. You know, like mm-hmm. they're saying like he's a so- total sociopath, but I mean he's going to make it or something to that effect. The director of photography for this movie, I mean he uh, he handed out a lot of uh, Polaroid cameras to these uh, and just straight up cameras to these people, and they just took uh, they just took photos of all this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean hell, they, that uh, scene where the uh, where they uh, start uh, arm wrestling and then they're uh, wrestling the chair at the end. I mean, that was literally just, you know, they just uh, put a cameraman in there and he, like Harmony Crime wasn't even in the uh, room or anything. He was just like, just do your thing. Beating the shit out of the yeah, chair. Re- really? Record these people doing their thing and that's what it led to. It led to a bunch of drunk ass white people fucking beating up on a chair. <laughs> Damn chair. But I mean, I've, the thing is, is that I've been to parties like that. Like when, when, when I showed this to my brother, he even said that. He was like, holy fuck, dude. I've been to places like this. I've been to parties like that where, where there's just a bunch of shirtless motherfuckers. Yeah. Yeah. That's but what Lone Star with, does to you. Yeah. Well, that's what Lone Star Beer does to it. A bunch of drunk motherfuckers with no shirts doing a bunch of stupid fucking bullshit. Yep. It's like, that's pretty much life where we live, right? You just go mm-hmm. down the road right here. You can find that. That's, <laughs> a, that's a hill country party. And a hill country party don't stop until someone gets arrested. <laughs> <laughs> like, the cops show up. Oh, I've, I've, been to the, I've been to a party like that. Oh, Lord. Tell <laughs> me about it. And there was different film stocks that were used in this movie. Like, there was like 32 millimeter. There was like 18 millimeter. Of course, mm-hmm. like the Polaroid cameras and everything. And there was also VHS used here. Like, a lot of VHS. Oh, really? Yeah. And that really kind of led to kind of the, the gravitas behind this movie is just, you know, I mean... The grittiness of it all, and especially feel. the home video quality of it, it's very intimate. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a real intimacy to this movie. You know, especially between the viewer and the and the characters themselves. It really draws you in with just the way that all these different types of cinematography is used. It it draws you in, like it, it just creates this world for you and. You know, you're just kind of confronted with it. I was never uninterested in the no, movie. No, I not once. There's not one wasted frame of uh, film here. Right, Robert? Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Just go down the road, you can find that. Jeez. Yeah, and, and it's very much, it very much has kind of a documentary feel to it, right, guys? Mm-hmm. I think it's called Cinema Veritas, you know, where you try to achieve that very realistic, lifelike quality to it. Like, I mean, in, in genre sense, I mean, it's what uh, evolved into the mumblecore kind of thing, you know? Like, this, this is probably the very first real mumblecore movie. What's and funny is, I saw that when this first movie came, when this movie first came out, it was, it wasn't necessarily 
praised. Yeah, no, no, but, it, it, it didn't even make back its $1 million. Right. But no, it, it's it made funny. $100,000. That's all it really is. It's Warner. Because I think yeah. that people that rate it that way don't don't really get it, but does anyone really get it? Was it meant to be gotten, you know? No, it probably wasn't meant to be actually gotten. It was just meant to be something different to every to yeah. different people. It, well, it, it's, it's a very individual and very subjective kind of movie. And I would argue, I think, to really jive with this movie, you had to you have to have seen some of this stuff. Yeah. I think there are some privileged folk out here who who just wouldn't get this. I don't think this movie's for everyone. No, it's not for everyone, but everyone needs to see it. That's the way that I that I look at it. You know, cuz in some ways it's kind of prophetic with, you know, just the way that uh, America has turned out. A lot of these issues, I mean, not not to get into the current political zeitgeist with Trump and everything, but you know, I mean, these this was uh, this is at the very core of Obama era. Well, this is beyond the Obama no, era, then. This is like Trump era. Trump. Th- th- this is what influenced uh, people who eventually voted for Trump. It's like mm-hmm. these, like just sorry. crippling poverty, along with no means of escape from it, along with, you know, some very hateful, racist, and homophobic beliefs, and it just kind of metastasized into that. And, and those know? beliefs are very rationalized. I think these people wouldn't even understand if you tried to explain they well, believed was wrong. Well, saying that's the thing. If you even try to do that, I mean, there's an effect that most people have where it just makes them double down on their bullshit. Yeah. You know. But in many ways, that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> I think that we are getting close to wrapping this one up. This was an interesting discussion, guys. Honestly, I mean, this is definitely one of one of the deeper movies we've gone gotten into this side of Eraserhead. Probably. Can we talk about the bathtub scene? Oh yes. I oh, think we, we could gotta, go on with this for oh, hours man, if we, we need, wanted to. We need to talk about the bathroom scene. Yeah. yeah, you're right. The bathroom scene is just so fucked up, man. But it's it's weird because nothing really nothing really fucked up happens in it. It's just. The way it's portrayed, the uh, set design, the fact that you know Solomon is in this horribly, just disgustingly gross, dirty water. Like kills water. And what's and funny about that scene is that it's it's kind of portrayed as the film's most well-known scene. Why I, I think whenever I I looked up this film first on YouTube to see if I could find it, you know, that's one of the first results that pulled up was the bathtub scene. It's yeah. the thing that's yeah. most talked about, which is funny because, yeah. like you said, it's not particularly disturbing, but I think it sets the tone for the whole film. I think you could summarize the whole film. I, I think that it's the uh, crux of the film in the many crux. ways. I was going to say that, actually. Yeah. When he's eating his dinner in it, too. Oh, spaghetti. man, it's... It, it, that that's just he very. He drops the candy bar in the water and eats it. Can- oh, yeah, dude, it's disgusting. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that it's just this moment at home where this kid's just doing his thing, and his mom comes in and washes his. Like maybe she has some boundary issues. She's I don't know. Shampooing his She's hair. She's shampooing too. his hair while he's eating. <laughs> well, obviously he doesn't know how to because he couldn't tell the shampoo from the conditioner. Screwing oh yeah, that's ears. right. He, yeah, he didn't <laughs> know what uh, shampooing and conditioner was. Like that's yeah. what the fuck. <laughs> My girlfriend told me today she wants to shampoo my hair for me. Wow, well, good for you, Ash. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I wanted to bring that up. Oh, that's staying in the podcast, by the way. <laughs> and Ash's, Ash's girlfriend should totally wash his hair, I guess. And don't you think, ladies and gentlemen? Don't you think? I think I think when you see my hair, like like go check out our Instagram. You'll understand. Yeah. Oh yeah. You'll you'll see what's up. You'll see what's up there. Your hair is always blowing in the wind for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. How do you get that effect? 
It's like the Fabio effect, man. Damn. That, that, well, that's what straight, Dave, Dave calls me. Fabio <laughs> Jr. Yeah, the straight uh, Harlequin ro- romance uh, cover look. It's like romantic novels, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's straight up. <laughs> he, saw me taking a, he saw me taking a selfie the, the other day, and he goes, Fabio, get to work. <laughs> straight up. Dave. That's what I'm going to start uh, telling you to do, Ash. I'm going to be like, hey, Fabio, get to work. <laughs> it's Fabio get to work. Jr. Get to, work, get to work, Fabio Jr. <laughs> Well, yeah, we definitely needed to bring up that scene. I mean, I remember the first time that I saw it, I mean, just being speechless throughout the entire moment. It was, it was just just a welling up in deep in the pit of my stomach when I saw that. And and I have and I have watched some pretty fucked up movies before, but I wanted that, to throw up. Yeah. <laughs> for some reason that scene right there, it just it's just so affecting. You think you it know? kind of haunts you a little? Oh, it's very haunting. It's pretty much just the, the that's where the aesthetic of the movie just comes uh, comes together perfectly. Like, yeah. Like for instance, you know, I think Werner Herzog, he's a very well known uh, director and documentarian. He pointed out that the bacon that was taped on the uh, on the wall of the of the shower, it's like See, that I was didn't just a th- that. that was a thing of beauty. Yeah, there's goddamn bacon taped up on the wall. But I heard about it afterwards when I did my yeah, research. Yeah, it, it's goddamn bacon. It's bacon. like why is there bacon on the wall? <laughs> and then, then he, and then his mom buys that candy bar from those uh, two little black kids, and they're straight hustling. Yeah, this is for cancer and Hodgkin's disease. <laughs> oh man, it's like you could tell it's a fucking straight hustle. Dude, I could tell. You, you could tell from from the get go. Like not even anything racist there. It's just like you just know a grind when you see a grind. Yeah. You know. Uh, and they're just going about it. You know what? I I, I support. I, them. I respect that. Man. I respect that. <laughs> I respect those kids. They, those kids are probably money. those kids are probably doing better in that town than anybody else. And they're not selling drugs. They're not selling drugs. They're they're doing all that selling candy. It's like that that's a hell of a racket when you think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember there was a Boondocks episode that uh, made that into like it was an international criminal conspiracy. You know the whole selling uh, candy bars for charity thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> y'all y'all should see that. That shit is fucking hilarious. Hi. Hi, my name is Terry. This is my brother, Felipe. Hi, ma'am. Would you be interested in purchasing a crunch bar? How much? A dollar. Okay. The money goes for children with cancer. Also, it's for Hodgkin's disease. Thanks. Okay. Have a nice day. Some dessert. But I think that about wraps it up for this episode. Um, what was what are y'all's final thoughts on this movie? This movie 
cannot be rated. I'll tell you that much. No, no. Because you can't compare it to anything else. Kind of as I was saying earlier is that people tried to rate this because they didn't really get it, but you can't get it. No, it, in many ways, I mean, it's kind of uh, beyond people's grasp, but it's also so relatable. To, you know? to rate something is to compare it to something else, and yeah. you can't compare this. It's it's its own project, but in a way, it's it's art. You know, yeah. I mean, the the, the only th- the only thing that you could really compare it to is Harmony Korine's other works. His other works. Yeah, you know, like Spring Breakers or Julian Donkey Boy. You know, or, or his writing in Kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never seen any of that. I haven't seen any of that, yeah. but Spring Breakers I've heard of. That that's at least yeah, a little that's, mainstream. That's with uh, James Franco. In it. It's got James Franco. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, straight up. And, and that that's also a pretty uh, crazy mindfuck of a movie as well. Is it? Oh yeah. Check it out. It, 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 just think of Gummo, just maybe a little more colorful and coming from the like mid 2010s. Okay. Or late late 2000s, early 2010s around that area maybe. But my my final thoughts here is that this is just a movie that completely just puts forth a, a slice of rural American life that is, you know, terrifying, it's depressing, it's ugly, it's grotesque, it's raw, but it's real. Mm -hmm. It's actual, real cinema here. What do you think, Robert? What are your final thoughts on this? It just reminds me of early early America, really. Yeah, especially, I mean, it's it's just a snapshot of America at that time in the 90s. Early Americana. Yeah. that carny-looking thing. Yeah. Oh, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, my girlfriend and I were watching this together, and so we had no idea what we were getting into this. And and, and when we watched this, we kind of had to go in and, and look at some of, like, the production because we didn't yeah. get it at first. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I had to kind of look and, and look at some of the, the production notes in, on Wikipedia, and we just... Then it, it sort of gave a context for what the movie was trying to do, and you could appreciate it a lot more. Yeah. Cat violence and all. <laughs> she actually waited until the end and then had me scroll back to the credits to make sure that there was the line of yeah, no no animals no were harmed during this were, film. Well, it says all, all animal violence is simulated. It, it was all simulated. There's no way that... This wasn't Cannibal Holocaust. It's like, no. He, that, that's like one time you can get away with that shit. Well, at least we have Bo's vegan seal of approval. Yeah, vegan, vegetarian, seal of approval, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yep. It's not Milo Notice. <laughs> yeah, watch this movie, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to go ahead and let everybody go here. Uh, you can find Collateral Cinema on Spotify. You can find us on Podbean. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on WordPress, on Tumblr, on Instagram. You can uh, find us on Patreon. And we also have a Podbean patron page, which is where we put our film commentaries. We will be doing another one for Freddy Got Fingered here, here really soon. I'm excited for that. Yeah, that's going to oh, be all kinds yeah. of fun. We should do a live stream with that one. Oh, we, we, may, we may go ahead and just it's live just gonna stream It's going to be raw and unedited anyway. Yeah, yeah we, 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 may, we may live stream it exclusively on, on Patreon or something like that. Like, we might do that. But yeah, la- ladies and gentlemen, you can also... Uh, Let's see, is there anywhere else that we're... Stitcher, I forgot it. Yeah, that's right, we're on Stitcher. Yeah, let's not forget Stitcher. (laughs) It's another podcast app like Podbean. Yeah, we're we're on that as well. And we are on Google Play. Yeah. We're also on Google Play, ladies and gentlemen. Just not on Apple. Yeah. Well, the iTunes, inter- yeah. We need to figure that out. We need iTunes. Yeah, we got, we're still trying to figure out our iTunes. We're, we're all, we're all, we're all iPhone users. Yeah, yeah I don't <laughs> see why this is a problem. <laughs> but I guarantee that we will at least be on iTunes by season two, if not the end of this season. Mm-hmm. But ladies and gentlemen, we are Collateral Cinema. I'm Bo Maddox. 
I'm Robert Ortegon. And I'm Ashley Chancellor. And no animals were harmed during the making of this podcast. Absolutely not. Ladies and gentlemen, Collateral Cinema, out. Collateral Cinema is an L Company production. All music and movie clips are owned by their respective creators. Please don't sue us. We're poor.